Hello and welcome. Thanks for tuning in to the Satori Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Dave Kolvar, and if you're joining me for the first time in this podcast, I discuss everything, my views on health, fitness, martial arts, relationship, mindset, business, kind of whatever uh, strikes me at the time. And, I, and if you've been here before, thanks for coming back. Uh, today, the subject I want to talk to you about is something near and dear to my heart, and it's parenting. And, and the actually, I have so much to say about this. We're going to do this in over the course of a couple podcasts. And in this first one, we're going to call it Powerful Parenting Tools, right? And it's basically to my book, A Dad's Toolbox for Better Parenting. And let me kind of give you a little background. And, and I know I have a lot of martial arts friends that teach martial arts for a living that they can probably identify with this. I, I When I first started teaching, I I've, obviously I was in, in high school when I started teaching martial arts and I opened up my first school right out of high school. And this was back in the late 80s. There wasn't a lot of kids that were that were training at the time. And and uh, But I, I always enjoyed working with kids and I, had to, I seemed to have a natural knack for it. So here I am now, I'm 20 something, doling out parenting advice for anyone that would listen. And I had parents coming up to me all the time yeah, saying, what should I do about this situation? And it seemed so easy. And uh, until I had kids of my own, and all of a sudden, it all, what, what was seemed like it was clearly black and white became very gray, right? And once my kids were really, really young, I realized, man, I want to be the best parent possible. And I'd already started this process because I knew I wanted to be a parent, but it really magnified it. And that was as I started interviewing parents and because, you know, I was teaching at the time hundreds of, of kids, I had the chance to just see all these different parenting strategies in action. And so what I would do is I'd either, I'd find a child that I was impressed with their behavior uh, or their energy or their attitude, and, and I'd have a discussion with their parents. Or when I saw parents that just seemed like they were really stellar and impressive in how they interacted with their kids, I would I would ask them questions. And, and I actually went as far as to take notes. And over time, I, I developed kind of an outline, which would later on become my book. And and so the information here comes, this is really just empirical evidence, just stuff that I've experienced through my own, working with my own children and, of course, uh, working with other children. And then uh, observation and uh, interrogation, so to speak, of, of really uh, what squared away parents. And what I found was is that in my interviews, where there, are, there were certainly some commonalities and there was actually some uh, things that were completely contrary. So some parents had a completely different view than others, right? And But it's, uh, it made me remember and realize that parenting is more art than science. There aren't any fast and steady rules that you must always follow, at least in my opinion, or never do, except must always love your kids, right? That would be an example one. Uh, but but there are some guidelines that I've put together and I want to share with you. And with each guideline, I'm going to kind of give you an example of how I've seen this apply in my life. So parenting tool number one is praise in public, reprimand in private. Now, on a scale of human emotion, the highest human emotion is considered a state of, of bliss. The lowest human emotion is considered a state of shame. And the easiest way to shame somebody is public humiliation. So as a parent, of course, uh, what do we want to do, man? This is so, it, 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 in theory, it makes sense, but it's really hard to put to, put to work. It's so easy to, in front of a, in front of a group of peers, to, to kind of, what, uh, reprimand your child. So I'll give you a couple stories. So first and foremost, I'm, I'm 15 years old, 14 or 15. I'm training at the martial arts school, and my instructor was a gentleman named Bruce Jutnick. Uh, I still have a great relationship with him all these years later, and this would have been 1974, 75. And uh, and he was an old school guy. Never gave you a lot of praise or compliment, right? It was just you know you if he wasn't yelling at you, you kind of that was pretty good. You knew you were doing okay. Well, one day, uh, what do you know? My dad shows up, 
to pick me up. And he didn't come around. This was back when the day when not, you just parents didn't hang out at martial arts schools. It was a little different environment. I didn't really want him there to be the truth is known. Uh, uh, but, uh, and, and so what do you know, Dave, Bruce calls me out in front of everybody and he says, Hey man, I just want to let you know that Dave, Dave here is a tiger. He could be a champion someday. I love his attitude and his energy and we're promoting him to blue belt today. And everybody, big round of applause, you know, get my belt, but it was in front of my dad and it was the coolest thing. I, I, I remember that like it was, you know, like it was yesterday, just really clear in my mind that, that man, I was looking good in front of my peers and in front of my parents. Uh, and so that would be like an example of a, 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 a great example. Like another example, this seems kind of random but I was at a friend's house and uh, I was having dinner with him and the deal was is they were uh, after dinner you were supposed to rinse your plate off everybody was supposed to rinse their plate off and and then you know and this was back uh, before dishwashers right wash and rinse your plate and put it in the, in the in the spot to dry and his plate I remember he quickly didn't do a very good job of washing and I think there's some spaghetti sauce still in the corner of the plate and he went about his stuff and what do you know there was a bunch of people there there was uh, there was family and friends it was it was a, a birthday party for his sister and what do you know he he, he hollers out Jeff get Get over here. Boom. And then in front of everybody, there had to be 25 people. He proceeds to reprimand Jeff in front. And I remember just, man, how awkward and uncomfortable it was and how it changed the mood of the party, right? And I know that he sulked, Jeff sulked for quite a while after that. And he actually brought it up at a later date to me how the impact that had. So the bottom line is with your own parents, with your own children, the first thing you do, man, if you see them doing something right, shout it from the rooftops. Let everybody know about it. Uh, the, the flip side, if they're doing something that you need to t discuss, then do the best you can to, to take it, you know, to the side where not everybody can hear about it. So public praise, private reprimand. Okay. Powerful parenting tool number two is this one, man. It's, 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 it's believe in your child's potential. Let me explain what I mean by that. You know, uh, as parents, we need to know and believe that our children have the ability to succeed. Uh, and then we must act accordingly. And when we do that, man, amazing stuff will happen. So I had this one student. His name was TJ. And TJ started with me when he was about four years old. And I'll never forget his first class. And uh, uh, he was the most uncoordinated student I'd ever seen in my whole life, right? And uh, uh, so after class, my, my older brother, Tim, who was the program director at our school at the time and did, was responsible for enrollment, came up to me alongside TJ's dad. And, and just out of the blue, right after the first lesson, um, he, um, he's, he, they walk up and his dad goes, well, you think TJ will ever be able to get a black belt? And I remember looking in, at TJ and thinking to myself, man, I don't know if this kid's ever going to get his yellow belt. Yeah, but of course I didn't want to say that. So I remember lying and saying, yeah, you know, it's going to take some work, but he'll be there someday. I remember that night, man, I was almost nauseous. I was almost sick to my stomach because I felt like I'd sold out. I was like, how dare I tell that man that his son is going to get his black belt when there's no way that's going to happen. And how dare I get TJ's hopes up, right? And so I shared this with my older brother, Tim, and, he, and his comment was, hey, man, we can only go one way. It can only get better. Why don't you take him on as a project? Why don't you just decide to believe in him and see what happens? And so you probably already know where I'm going with this story. So we started that process, right? So I, I made TJ my project and I just kind of affirmed, man, I can get this guy. I can make him better. And so inch by inch, he improved. Step by step, he improved. And what do you know? About five years later, guess who tests for his junior black belt? That's right, TJ. And guess who looked pretty good? He looked pretty good. It was impressive. And I've never forgot that story. So as parents, the same thing applies, man. It's so important that, that we make it a point. Uh, every chance we can to believe in our child's potential. You know, because if we can do that, man, great stuff will happen. So the flip side, uh, 
I'm teaching this kid, his name was Daniel, and this would have been actually about the same time. And Daniel and Sarah were brother and sister, and they were being raised by their grandparents, grandmother actually, because uh, both mom and dad were, uh, mom was in prison and dad was somewhere bad. Uh, and I only met his dad one time, and, and his dad came down to watch uh, his son uh, compete in a, local, a little inner school tournament that we had. And Daniel was so eager to impress his father, right? Uh, and what do you know, man? Daniel wins his first match, and his dad blurts out, ah, that was okay. You're going to take more than that to impress me, kid. You know, man, I don't know. He, he basically, he, not only did he humiliate him, he said, you're going to end up just like your mom. Yeah, I know it. Basically, uh, his mom was not a good person or were not doing good things. You kind of went down the wrong path. So I, I trained those guys. Sarah and Daniel trained with me for, I don't know, another six months, a year. Then they kind of fell off the radar. And, and I'd heard years later that Daniel was actually doing time, right? He started out with car theft and got onto worse stuff. So the deal was, is, I'm, is that because his dad came in one time and, and, and told him he's going to end up like his mom when he was little? Probably not. However, that is an indication of, I guess, what not to do. And that's how I saw that really clearly. All right. Guideline number three, walk your talk. This seems obvious, right? Of course. Uh, however, sometimes we forget to do this. You know, how many times have, have we heard of a parent? I know none of you guys have ever done this. If your parents, to, when someone calls to, to tell your kid, tell them I'm not home, right? Or, you know, lie or something, right? Well, the true story. So when I was uh, 14, 15 years old, I still looked about 11 or 12. And um, I don't know exactly what the age breakdown was now, but I remember 12 years old was the cheaper movie tickets, right? So I remember standing in line at the movie, uh, getting going to go to the movies with my, my, my father. And we're standing in line. I look up there and it's whatever. It's pretty cheap still, but it was, it was you know, uh, half price for, it was, let's say it was $2 for a child and $4 for a young adult, right? And so I, I go to my dad. I go, hey, dad, why don't you just tell him I'm 12? And that way you can save a couple bucks. And I'll never forget. He looks at me and he goes, Dave, my honesty is worth more than a couple bucks I'd save from lying about your age. Man, that just hit me so hard. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've played through that in my head, right? Fast forward several years, my son, uh, you know, I'd like to think I'm a decent father in most areas. And my son, Alex, who's now 23, is... Uh, he's 15 and a half and we're doing a uh, driver's education. I'm teaching him how to drive. And I realized that it didn't matter what I said when it came to driving the speed limit. He'd been in the car with me and, and shall I say, I tend to be a bit aggressive. I'm not, I'm not a rude driver. I'm not a guy that honks horns and cuts people off, but I tend to drive over the speed limit pretty frequently. And so now I'm realizing you know, he's, he's driving over the speed limit, right? The speed limit is 40. He's going 47 miles an hour. I go, dude, what are you doing? He goes, well, you do it all the time, dad. And I realized, as Stephen Covey says, you can't talk yourself out of a situation you behave yourself into. And it was one of those ones where, okay, and you're going forward, I got to do my best I can to, to really walk my talk. All right, powerful parenting tool number four is constantly catch your child doing things right. Now, the bottom line is, is this, this is what this works. By the way, this works really well when it comes to teaching also, right? So one of the things is, is, is that it's really natural to kind of, when you see your child doing something well, to kind of forget to tell them about it until something uh, doesn't go the way you want it to, right? 
And so one of the things that you can do is that if you were to imagine uh, with your children every day, you were going to consciously and mindfully go out of your way to catch them doing one thing legitimately right, whether it be, hey, making their bid, based of course, age appropriate, right? So my kids are young adults, they're grownups now, so I'm going to catch that they're, they're Things I'm going to catch them in with are going to be different. But maybe when they're three or four years old and they're learning how to brush their teeth and they do it on their own, man, you catch them. Did you just brush your teeth? Yes, I did, Dad. Man, on your own without me saying, that was awesome. So that would be an example of catching them doing things right. Okay. The flip side, and this is actually uh, um, uh, another story about the gentleman down the street, the same dad, uh, as far as room for improvement, same dad and Mr. Brown and Jeff and Randy were the brothers. And, uh, you know, we used to call actually Mrs. Mrs. Brown, the neighborhood nag. And she, you know, she was on her kids all the time. Nothing was ever done right to suit her. And, you know, she found fault with everything. And, and so one time it, it was a classic example of, of mom had asked, Hey, when I come home, she was gone for a couple hours. Could you please clean the house? Uh, because we'd let with the, the, there was three or four kids around and, you know, stuff was all over the place. So Jeff and Randy went out of their way and I helped really to, uh, you know, get that house clean, right? And they were so proud of it. And they came home. And what does mom do? Mom finds everything that isn't right about it, right? The few things that they didn't do. And I remember just taking, it just took the wind right out of their sail. I mean, the, 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 the process was clear. Why even bother to try? Because she doesn't didn't even notice when I did something. Okay, so anyway, an important tip. So constantly catch your kids doing things right. Imagine if every day you went out of your way. Because quite frankly, it's natural and easy to catch them doing things wrong. And if we put our attention all the time on that, man, it's going to be they're they're going to have their guard up, and they're not going to hear. Uh, they're not going to be as receptive to our input. But if we catch them doing things right, and that we then what happens is when we want to make an adjustment, it's going to be something. It's going to be an easier pill for them to swallow. Okay, guideline number five, and that is set boundaries and stick to them. Once again, set boundaries and stick to them. So, you know, uh, the bottom line is, is that so often, how many times have you heard, you know, a parent, you know, set a boundary and say, if you do this, right, and, and then they don't follow through. So my folks were really good about setting boundaries. And I remember one time we were on like a, a road trip and it was like a six state road trip. And this is back in the day. This is before, you know, the radio didn't even, AM radio was pretty spotty, Right. Uh, and so it was pretty hard, you know, to, to entertain yourself. We didn't have movies, all that kind of good stuff. And we had this little Renault 10, this tiny little four seater. And there was five of us, uh, my parents and my brother and sister. And because I was the younger, youngest one, I always had to sit. Sometimes there'd be three in the front. I was the one in the front with them. Sometimes there'd be three in the back. I was the one in the back, right? So these are these long days, right? And we'd been driving all day. And of course, this is no air conditioning. The windows are down and it's hot and stuffy and everybody's frustrated tired and all we could think about was the fact that we were going to get a pool that night right they were going to, we were going to stop early to get a pool but the three of us kids couldn't get along we were fighting about this and that and finally I'll never forget my dad asked me my mom asked me and they warned us all of us to behave and finally my dad said here's the deal man if you guys can't get it together and calm down we're about an hour from the the, the hotel if you can't calm down we're not even going to go we're going to drive straight through to our next stop and uh, so it worked for five or 10 minutes. And what do you know? We're just off on each other. And, and, but not really, you know, these seem like, like words, like he's not really going to follow through it. There's no way to take that away from us. But man, we were just out of hand. So what did he do? He proceeded, my dad, who, uh, who's still alive and an amazing guy and really kind and, uh, and, uh, with a very long fuse. But boy, when that fuse went off, you, you paid attention. And so what do you know? He's, we, we got his goat. He said, 
He drove right by that restaurant, proceeded to drive all night, and we ended up at our grandparents' house in Minnesota the next morning. Uh, not restaurant, excuse me, a uh, hotel. And what it was is he, he stuck to his commitment. As badly as we want to do that, he gave us an ultimatum. Now, should he have given us that ultimatum? I don't know if he should have or not. But the bottom line, that's what he said, and he stuck to it. Okay, so that would be an example, right, of uh, of that. Uh, the flip side, I'll never forget this story. So my daughter is about five years old at the time, and my wife and I go out, and we're going to celebrate our anniversary, and we go to this restaurant, and what do you know? Uh, it's just the two of us, but what do you know? Uh, sitting behind us is a is a, is a, a couple, and they have about a four or five year old daughter with them. And of course, when you have a daughter of your own, you're seeing other kids the same age, and you're kind of identifying with that. And and what do you know? She. Uh, uh, next thing I hear is, eat all of your peas or you won't get any ice cream. And I remember it just kind of, you know, that, that perked my interest up a little bit. So I looked over my shoulder to see this girl with her arms crossed and not having anything to do with the peas, right? And uh, and what do you know? So I'm kind of paying attention. My wife and I are having our dinner and we're talking. In the back of my mind, I'm listening to what's going on. And next thing I, I knew, I hear, eat half your peas and you're going to get ice cream. And they proceed, they, they, you know, the conversation goes on a little more and, and I hear dad say, all right, listen, here's the deal. You have this one big scoop of peas and you can have your ice cream. Well, you know, you know where I'm going with this. Uh, what do you know? A little while later, here comes this big old bowl of ice cream and I, I couldn't help but look as they're taking the plate away. And what do you know? It looked like an absolutely full, untouched batch of peas. So what happens is, is that the, the child won and that's, she knows in the future that's going to work as well. So now every time that, that her parents set a boundary, She's going to know it doesn't really mean anything, okay? So if you're going to set a boundary, stick to it, okay? Uh, a super important rule. So the, the, the powerful parenting tool number six is listen. What the heck do I mean by listen, man? It seems obvious, right? Uh, but uh, you all know somebody that... Uh, uh, that that just has that ability when you when you're when when you're talking to them you are the most important person in their life. I have a friend, actually a couple. Their name is Scott and Dana, and Scott and Dana are actually they were the editors of my book originally, and uh, just this amazing couple that that when you are with them you feel like the most important person ever and it doesn't matter what it is you know it's sincere so you can be telling dana about your new toothbrush and she is listening to every word with just complete interest and enthusiasm and it seems to be sincere right and uh that's such a gift that i wish i had better i tend to have to really focus on doing this right so that's a, she's a great example of listening right Flip side, uh, I'll never forget this. So my daughter is now, she's seven or eight or nine years old and, and uh, her and I are going for a walk around the park and and uh, and I am, she's telling me, you know, she's in third grade at the time and always been talkative and super talkative at the time. She's telling about some something that happened at school that day with great enthusiasm and I'm friggin' not even paying attention. I'm, I'm daydreaming about work. I'm thinking about this problem and I'm kind of nodding and stuff and I'll never forget it. So she steps in front and she puts her hand in my face and she goes, dad, hey dad, in the moment, in the moment, dad, pay attention. And of course she's heard me say in the moment at your best, which is that present state of consciousness. When you have mental clarity, physical energy, and emotional calm, that's the Satori word for us. She heard me say it a hundred times during classes and at seminars that she'd attend. So what do you know? She busted me doing it, but she was so right. And so uh, such an important thing. When you're with your kids, man, especially in this day and age when everybody is like preoccupied, hopefully you have a time where you simply listen and you show interest. Okay. One of the, uh, I have a little note card I, I, I carry around in my wallet. And uh, so with my wife, it's notice and pay attention, right? So that's things I want to remember to do. Okay. Uh, 
And with my kids, it's present focus and interest. I want to make sure that I, whatever they're talking about, I want to show interest. I want to be interested in their life and I want to give them my undivided attention, right? So that's something I've had to learn to do. Okay, so that's teaching tip. We're rolling right through these. That's teaching tip number six. Teaching tip number seven is hold your child to a higher standard. Hold your child to a higher standard. What the heck does that mean? So basically, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that that is so important is that, uh, uh, you you know, sometimes we as parents are maybe too hard on our kids. Sometimes we might be too easy on our kids because they're kids. It's hard to, logic and emotion are like oil and water. They don't mix. And and because I've got this emotional connection, sometimes my, I'm going to swing, my pendulum is going to swing. Once again, you're going to be too easy or too hard on on mommy kids. And so one of the things that we want to try to do it to the best of our ability is Keep that high standard high. And an example for me uh, was one time I was uh, at my grandparents and I was spending the summer in Minnesota or a month of the summer in Minnesota. And because my grandparents were born around the turn of the century and uh, they, they were both like working during the Depression, right, or trying to work, they uh, were not lazy. They had this killer work ethic, right? And, and they expected that out of the people in their families as much. And so anyway, my job, and I was... Uh, uh, I tasked with mowing the lawn and I'll never forget that the, the lawn and by the way this was a hand lawn mower which back in uh, where we were living at the time in Montana and I just learned how I was about 10 years old right I just been learning how to to mow the lawn and uh, uh, that we had a we had an electric lawn mower so man that was easy because you know it did, did a lot of the work and uh, uh, we did before that we had a gas powered mower well my grandpa uh, Grandpa Baki has this old push lawnmower, right? Which takes a little bit more effort. Not only that, but in their front yard, they had this serious hill that was like, uh, it, it, I remember it as a 45 degree angle. I'm sure it wasn't that steep, but it was a serious hill that was probably 10, 12 feet. And it was kind of tricky to, 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 to mow that, right? You, you, you could mow, go down the hill. You'd have to use a rope to kind of let it down. And if you didn't do it that way, you'd have to go side to side up. And it was a lot of work. And I remember it was hot. And so I just did a mediocre job with the lawn. And I kind of knew it was a mediocre job. And, uh, and you know, I figured, hey, I'm, this is my grandma. She's going to let me get away with this. And what do you know? Okay, she comes out and I'm, uh, you know, she takes a look at it and she just kind of, she says, David, you're just so much more capable. This really, look at this. And she pointed out all the things that I could do better. And she did it in a very loving tone. And she private reprimand is what she was doing. And she goes, you can just do better than this. Now, grandpa's going to be home in about two hours. I sure would like it if you went back to the door and just did the job that I know you're capable of. And so she kind of guilted me into doing it. But, you know, so I went back to work. And next thing you know, I'm into it. And, and uh, man, I go that extra mile. I go that extra mile. I, not, I went as far as to actually, and this was not part of my job description, but I actually swept um, the, the sidewalk in front of the house because some grass had gone on it. I realized my grandpa's going to be home. I'm going to impress him. And what do you know? I come home. My grandpa comes home and he takes a look at the yard and my, he, he just like was, man, this is really good. He was sincerely impressed. Now, I... Looking back, who knows? Maybe you know he was he was acting a bit because I was his grandson. But man, I tell you what, I felt so good about a job well done. So I really thank my grandmother for that because had she let me slide, I would not have learned the lesson of the value of of of, of hard work. Uh, so flip side, uh, room for improvement. So early in my career. Uh, I, I uh, was uh, teaching. I was about. I'd been probably been in business for about a, a year or two, and. Uh, 
I had this one kid who who had some learning disabilities, and this was before he probably was on the autistic spectrum, but we didn't know anything about that. That was not in our vocabulary at all. This was just a hard kid to learn, right? And uh, and so my his parents had said he had explained to them, you know, yeah, he has a hard time learning, so take it easy on him. And they were doing their best they could as a parent, so I was always taking it easy on him. I wasn't expecting a lot out of him, and. Uh, I went, uh, long story short, I, I, I was, I guess I, I remember exactly how old I was. I was 22 uh, because it's the first time I'd gone to Hawaii with my buddy. It was a very spur of the moment thing. My, my, my buddy, somehow we ended up with getting some really cheap airline tickets and hotel to a, uh, to a, a, a resort in Hawaii. And so with, with very, with just a couple days notice, I, I turned the floor over to one of my instructors. I didn't really have, these weren't like certified instructors. This is like like senior student and his name was Tom. And Tom, you're in charge for the next week. And uh, and so I go about my trip and about three or four days into it, it occurs to me, okay, that this one kid, his name is Johnny, uh, uh, that, that I had never got a chance to tell Tom to take it easy on Johnny. You know, it's like, oh man, I'm going to, you know, when I get back, his parents are going to be mad. And, and, and so what do you know? I get back and... What do you know? Johnny is like at a whole nother level. Uh, he, he'd learned a form that we were teaching at the time that I never thought he was capable. And why, why did he learn it? Because Tom didn't know <laughs> that, uh, that, 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 that he, I, I wasn't supposed, he wasn't supposed to hold him to a high standard. So when Johnny was not living up to his abilities, Tom just kind of cracked the whip a little bit and decided to not settle for a mediocre effort. And it was a real lesson for me because I would have never guessed that 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 uh, Johnny would have been able to do this. And so, so important for us to make it a point to to set a high standard. It needs to be realistic, of course, but set a high standard for our child, and then and then really stick through that. Because if we can do that, man, you know, great stuff will happen. All right. So one more guideline, then we'll save the next for 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 the next podcast. This next one is inspire your child to greatness. This is guideline number number eight. And what's the heck is it? What, what am I talking about with that? And, and and that is is that man, every chance you get, every chance you get to plant a seed in your child about their potential, man, that's it, it, a great thing to do. And by the way, you know it's great. It's fine to praise your child. You always want to praise them for effort, not for you don't want to say, wow, you're so smart. Right, you're all you're when you're inspiring me for the greatness. You're talking about man. You know, if you continue to work hard, you can achieve great things. That's kind of the thought process. And so, a friend of mine has four children, and all of them, uh, they're bright, they're grounded, they're happy. And I asked him a very basic, you know, some of his basic basic viewpoints on on parenting. And and I was really not surprised to answer. You know, he said, I constantly remind them how capable they are and how proud I, I am of all their hard work and effort that they put in their activities. And then I make sure to tell them this before they start a new project. That's what he does on a regular basis. He just kind of reminds them, man, you know, you know, you're very capable. And, you know, whatever you're going into, you can do this. Just apply yourself. Give your best effort. You can do this. Uh, and so, man, just one of those common things. And by the way, remember, kids are... They're men. They're empty sponges, you know, and and they they are ready to soak up. They have not yet viewed the the, the, the they don't have a view of themselves yet, right? Their their self image is developing, and those little seeds that we plant as parents are massive. There's a great quote that goes like this: "I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I am who I think you think I am." What does that mean? That means my mom thinks I can do it. I guess I can do it. My dad believes in me. I guess I can do that, right? And so that's the concept. Such an important thing as a parent is really to, to, to inspire your child to greatness. Room for improvements. Uh, 
an, an example of what not to do with this. So uh, I'm in Little League. Uh, my best friend's dad is, is I'd been playing. This is my second or third year of Little League. Um, I, I, my best friend's dad is the coach. And I'm enjoying the game. I enjoy baseball. I'm, I think I'm okay. I know I'm not the best on the team. I think I'm okay. But what do you know, man? End of the season, we're at the, the we're at swim party, This the, the team swim party. And Coach Corsi's, we're sitting around by the pool talking. And he says to me, he goes, you know, Dave, you're not very good at team sports. You tend to do better at, at individual sports. Now, he didn't mean to traumatize me. But clearly, the fact that I still remember that, you know, 45 years later might mean something, right? But but uh, actually, more than that, wow. Uh but what he did do is he, I believe I had no reason to doubt Coach Corsi. I looked up to him, I respected him, and he told me I wasn't very good at team sports, and that I'd better at uh, individual sports. So from that day forward, I I never attempted to join a team. Up until then, I'd I'd played little league. I you know I played football. I was you know etc. But after that, I, I pursued individual stuff. I did wrestling and karate and skiing. Now it actually worked out just fine for me, right? However, it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized, hey, I'm a pretty decent athlete right? I'm not a bad athlete because of, why? Because Coach Corsi, when I was a kid, planted this seed in me that I wasn't good at team sports. So as an, as, as an instructor, man, as a parent, man, we can never discount the potential of our kids, right? If we doubt they can do something, we want to keep that to ourselves to the best of our abilities because so often, every now and then, uh, you know, you might say, someone say, you'll never be able to do this and, and we can use that as our motivation to get something done. I know I've done that. You've probably done that. I remember one time, um, I had a, it was 1990, I had a brand new red Mazda Miata and this is when these first came out. So you, some of you guys older people remember just how it was such a cool car to have back in the day, right? And I'm and I'm going to uh, uh, Sears to buy some tools for something. And as I'm walking through the uh, the store, I see this this treadmill, and it's on sale. And my wife wanted a treadmill, and I'd be so. What do you know, man? Her birthday's coming up, so right there, boom, spur of the moment, I just buy this treadmill, right? And then I walk down to. And by the way, we also had an SUV SUV at the time. And I walk down to. Uh, uh, to the warehouse to pick it up. And right as I gave the guy the receipt, I thought, oh man, I've got the Miata. Bad. I should have got the other car. I should maybe go home and get it. And and the guy takes a look and he goes, what kind of car do you have? And I say, a Miata. And he looks, shakes his head and he goes, you'll never get that thing home. And of course, that was enough for me. Oh, really? So I did get it home, top down, only being able to work in the first and third gear. It wasn't very smart, but out of principle, I did it, right? And we've all done that upon occasion, that kind of thing. But when it comes to our parents, I mean, excuse me, as parenting techniques with our kids, not a good idea. So always do your best to inspire them to greatness. Help them to see their potential. All right, so I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to continue on uh, uh, on the next podcast uh, to continue on. I hope you found these valuable. And by the way, if you want more information, uh, you can actually go to Amazon.com. And this is based, of course, what I've been talking about on my book, A Dad's Toolbox for Better Parenting. I look forward to having you tune in in the future. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye.